Hi, and welcome to the Insiders by Durham Lane, where we get perspectives from industry thought leaders about strategies that are unifying marketing and sales cycles to help accelerate growth inside your world. Welcome to the Insiders Sales and Marketing Podcast. I'm Simon Hazeldean. I'm a sales transformation strategist and sales performance consultant, helping my clients get more sales more often with more margin. I'm also a keynote speaker and author of several books on the topic of sales and negotiation. I'm your host, along with my co-host Richard Lane, who is the co-founder of Durham Lane, who are an inside sales partner that helps businesses to grow their revenue through an integrated sales and marketing methodology. Richard, great to be back in the Insider Studio with you, and we have another fantastic guest for our listeners. Over to you to make the introductions. Thank you, Simon, and wonderful to be back. Hi to everybody. Well, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Ricky Sevta. Ricky is the Chief Revenue Officer at Simpro. Simpro, full disclosure, are a long-term customer of Durham Lane. I'm very proud of that fact. A rapidly growing global field service management software business. So, Ricky, pleasure to have you. Really looking forward to the conversation and welcome to the Insiders podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Richard and Simon. Wonderful. Ricky, what we normally do is just ask our guests to give us, you know, a little bit of background on yourself and how you came to be in the role you're in currently so our listeners can kind of get to know you a little bit. So, uh, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, Ricky, please. Sure, Simon. I'll, I'll only take 15 minutes. Uh, so a little <laughs> bit about me. Um, started off as an engineer, if, uh, believe it or not. So I went down the route of mechatronics engineering, uh, where I sort of had the passion of tinkering with things breaking things and fixing things back up. Found myself working for a corporate on large buildings and construction sites, doing wonderful things. And again, kind of, you know, just uh, going back to my love of fixing and breaking things, did a lot of that. And then someone thought it was a good idea to throw me into management. So then I did the same and carried on the theme of breaking and fixing, but this time it happened to be with teams and people. So look, that's kind of my background. Fell into love with just dealing with the customers, dealing with the, you know, whole array of different people, I guess. And that's where the passion for sales came in and technology and engineering and sales. And I guess cut the long story short, I found myself at Simpro. So that's where I've been for the last couple of four years now. Wonderful. Another member of the uh, what we kind of call the uh, the trip up club, Richard and I. The happy trip up club, Ricky. Happy trip up. Yeah. <laughs> I, where we all end up yeah. ended up in sales, right? That's uh, that's how it kind of happens by all of these really strange routes that we tend to we tend to find with our guests. So, Ricky, you've previously worked with a big global company, and now you're working with what you described when we were having our sort of pre-chat before we recorded this session as as more of a startup. What are the main differences you've seen? Uh, yeah, look, great question. Uh, I, look, first things first, we're probably more of a mature startup now, but I, I, I still classify ourselves as a startup for, for the main reason being there's not much red tape. We do have the ability to experiment. We have the ability to test. We have the ability to roll out ideas. We have the ability to tinker with things. We have the ability to kind of adopt change, be flexible. The biggest difference, as you can start to sort of imagine, going back to my corporate world, is that there was a layer of uh, approvals they had to go through. There was a lot of red tape. Uh, whilst the ideas that everyone brought to the table were amazing, the execution took forever. Whereas in the startup environment, you really have the ability to change and 
and flex uh, every time you roll over. So that's the biggest difference I find between the two. Yeah, wonderful. Less less red tape. I think uh, all of us who've worked in large corporates can probably identify with uh, with that one. Um, and you're now leading a you know it's a global organisation. And how do you make sure that everyone's kind of you know it, it, as you described it, rowing in the same direction? Because you know you got like. A lot of people there, right? A lot of different countries. It'd be really interesting to to, to get your perception on that. Yeah, uh, I did use the phrase rowing in the same direction. It's it's a challenge. Uh, first things first, you got to acknowledge that you, you're dealing with a lot of different people, different background, diversity and culture, and all of that plays a big part. Uh, in order to get a buy-in, is you've got to have, make sure that your vision is clear. You've got to have the reasons behind as to why you're wanting to do certain things. You've got to have a purpose. Once you've got that laid out, vision and a purpose, it's easy to get people's buy-in. And then you can wrap it around a lot of the support and have that, have the team as we, you know, identified earlier going in the same direction. So it's going back to the main point of making sure your purpose is crystal clear for everyone in the organization from bottom up and top down. Therefore, you can have that buy-in. Or else, it can be rather challenging exercise. Yeah, and that's uh, I think is a is a powerful message. I think for all people who are you know leading teams or leading organisations about making sure that's in place. And Richard, you you know you work with lots of different different clients. What's your perception on the you know how well people communicate that vision and purpose? I mean, Ricky's obviously doing a sterling job. Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, Ricky's Ricky's right. And just some sort of immediate thoughts from listening to the first couple of minutes. It's that startup mindset, isn't it? It's the sort of lean, lean startup type approach, Ricky, that you're you're talking about, and uh, mm. you know a topic that I think is really interesting and something that Durham Lena uh, are tackling at the moment as we get bigger is um, how do you keep that startup mentality culture flowing through the business um, rather than allowing the layers of of red tape that, and you need some of those, right? Particularly as uh, you know, as you're a, an international business, you need. You need certain rules, processes, and procedures, but how do you how do you make sure they don't stop you being agile and um, stop you being um, purposeful in your execution? And I think Simon, to your point around that vision and and purpose, I, I think that is the key. So keeping everyone facing in the same direction. You know, I love Jim Collins' uh, good to great and get the people on the bus, get them get them all facing the right direction and and at some point get them all in the right seats and and then you go right so uh we we've we've tried to live and breathe that over the last 11 years and we've got some really really uh, strong stories of where that's been successful i think that is the that is the overarching layer of making sure that everyone is then heading in the same direction second being the importance of uh, what i call the the sweet triangle and uh, that you know the tools people the process um you know, you've got to make sure that you, once you do have the right people in the right seat, you're giving them the best of the tools. Um, so in sales, sales enablement plays a big part, right? And then what Richard and co at uh, Darren Lane do really well is define the processes. Same at Simpro. So we are really hot on that. We've got to make sure that in order to gain consistency and in making sure that you all are constantly hitting your goals and your targets, you have the right processes and those processes obviously need to be clearly defined and then they have to be reevaluated, right? Don't know processes can be a, you know, one size fit all approach. It has to be constantly uh, in a, in a, in a live environment, right? It's a work in progress. You've got to learn and 
the environment that we've all been operating in uh, businesses in the last couple of years. It's an ever-changing landscape. So again, being flex flexible, going back to what Richard was touching on earlier, I think that's the beauty of being in a startup mode. You have the ability to just go back, tinker, make the adjustment, and go back at it. So that plays a big part. Yeah, cool. And in t in terms of that that tools people process, your your sweet triangle as you described it, um, specifically drilling down into the tools part, because I know this I think is is a hot topic for people you know who who listen to to the insiders. I mean, there's so much tech available now. So in terms of tools, how do you make sure you, you pick the right technology or the right, right tech stack for your business? Yeah, brilliant question. Um, Simon, look, we've been through the experience. I've done it a few times over. Uh, I think you've got to make mistakes like anything else in order to actually learn that. Uh, and it can be quite a costly exercise, right? It's an, it's an expensive make, uh, mistake to make in any organization. But... Going back to how do you pick any tools, it's, uh, it's, it can be simplified. You've got to make sure as to what's the problem that you're trying to tackle first. It has to be no software, no tool out there is going to be 100% fit, but is it, can you get to at least 80%, right? You've got to recognize that. You've got to really kind of work on that piece and then go, what is the biggest challenge we're trying to work on as a team? And what tools do we need to get there? Sometimes one tool isn't enough. And, you know, talking about sales enablement as an example, CRM is kind of more the single source of, uh, of uh, uh, truth, but that's not the only thing you need nowadays, especially as we've identified in the last few years, the online selling is playing such a big part. So you need something more. Do you need a coaching tool on top of that? Do you need an artificial intelligence tool, which is picking up on, you know, how much we're we talking and the ratio of uh, chat and what what uh, part does that play in your uh, you know, coaching tips and tricks and your close win rates and how do you then view the data? So do you need something else on top of that? Do you need a BI tool? And, you know, the list goes on and on and on, but initially it just depends on the size of the organization, the problem that you're trying to tackle first, and then just work your way up. Yeah, it's a really interesting comment about being really clear about what the problem is that you're trying to solve in the first place which which i think is sometimes is you know people maybe go into it a little too shallow don't they and, and then rush ahead and they realize i haven't done a root cause or whatever to find out what the actual the actual problem is richard from a durham lane perspective in terms of the kind of tech you think is needed for a to to enable specifically say you know from a sales enablement point of view yeah, I was just sort of listening to the conversation, thinking a great a great poll to do in the uh, the world the world of sales professionals would be what percentage of your tech stack is actually utilised, because <laughs> uh, I imagine it would yeah. be very low. From a, a sales enablement, just to sort of further on what Ricky was saying, um, I think that whole space around voice and AI intelligence um, is really interesting. We we embedded from an early early days of, of our business, the 70-2010 learning model, which I sort of brought with me from my corporate life. So that says that we learn 10% we learn of what we learn through formal training courses. We learn 20% through coaching, uh, formalized coaching programs, which we, we roll out inside our business. And then 70%, really importantly, through doing the job and being supported in the job. If you've got a thousand people working at home, 
that becomes more challenging, right? So there are now technologies and tools that you can use to support that, whether it's being coaching, call coaching analysis, uh, whether it's, you know, I I asked 25 questions in that discovery meeting and, uh, you know, I, I only let my customers speak for 5% of the time, you know, it didn't go well. So there are lots of, uh, lots of tools. We, we, use, we use one here at Durham Lane, which works really well for us from that coaching and support point of view. The reason Durham Lane exists, actually, just as a side note, was because Lee and I got together. We met at a course I was delivering and, and had a discussion around creating a CRM system designed by salespeople for salespeople. This is sort of a dozen years ago. <laughs> Realised that neither of us had any technical ability at all and thought that probably wasn't a good idea. And it was already becoming quite a crowded marketplace. CRM tends to be built by uh, technical people for management. And certainly it's got better, but that was certainly where it came from. And the trouble with any tool is that um, you only get out what you put in and the quality of what you put in is is often not good enough. And uh, I think that's an ongoing challenge for every business. I mean, when I'm working with clients, we often put in a, uh, you know, help them to put in a really good sales ca- management cadence. And one of the things that will be in there will be like data hygiene some of the time. I mean, it's painful, right, to get it to a good place, but you have to get there because if, you know, like Rick, you're saying single source of truth, ideally, but if, if half the information is missing. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of focus from leaders to make that happen. Yeah, just on that, Simon, we, we talk about four things really, really passionately at Durham Main, input, output, outcomes, and insight. And that insight piece, I think if I was in the shoes of my customer, that's really high value to me. So if our sales teams aren't inputting the right information through their activity and through creating the outcomes they create, then we're not going to have the yeah. insight to deliver back. So, yeah. um, yeah. you, you know, adherent yeah. that you, you talk about hygiene, hygiene is something that has to happen and has to happen often, I, I guess, as a definition. And that's a continual challenge, I think. If I may add to that, the other thing is that tool has to be simple enough for everyone to use in yeah. the business, right? So it has to be, it can't be counterintuitive. It, you know, going back to Richard's point, if it's too difficult, salespeople are the first to give up. It, all it just turns into is more admin for them, uh, and every salesperson hates that. That's not good use at the time. So anything that can be embedded into their working environment, and there are great tools like that, which they can often just kind of piggyback onto your activity. They can take away a lot of the administration away from you. So that's also a big consideration as to when you're introducing a t- tool. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was also the data-driven dri- decision-making process. In places like Simpro, we are heavily reliant on that. Being a being a SaaS business that operate across several geos, uh, we are constantly looking at trends. We're looking at how well what some you know one team is doing compared to the other, sort of driving the internal competition for people to thrive on, but also from external purposes. What activity are we seeing in particular industries? What are the macro trends? What are the micro trends are we seeing? You know, is it is it viable enough to actually sell uh, our solution to a HVAC company uh, in a period of shoulder season? You know, because they're going through major shift in their in their workflow process. So those kind of things give us a lot of insights. And obviously, on a really larger scale of things, uh, it plays a big part when you go through the due diligence process for things like. Uh, you know, funding and, you know, the, the PEs and the VCs, obviously a lot of that stuff is required nowadays. So people forget the importance of data, as Richard touched on. I mean, obviously the quality has to be maintained and, 
you know, uh, we can talk about a little more about as to what we do at Simpro to ensure that data hygiene, as you highlighted earlier, is actually a priority. And you know, and but making sure that everyone's in the habit of using a tool. And input is no longer an optional. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's mandatory for a number of reasons. Because if you haven't got the data, you can't gather the insight from it, can you? Which is, I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's fundamentally the issue, right? That's correct. It's the flow on impacts are massive. Ricky, can I ask sort of a, a follow on question, if I may, from your point there? Um, I'm really interested to know, because, because obviously Simpro as a business, um, is more mature in, in certain markets. So, are you able to use data and insight from what you're doing in one market to change your sales approach or execution in, in another market, for example? Yeah, absolutely, Richard. That's kind of been, I would like to describe as, our, as one of our uh, you know, point of difference in how we run our business. We have the ability to work across, as I was highlighting earlier, across geo. So, what I tend to do, and you know, the teams are really good. Uh, our teams are, you know, really get behind this, is that we do a lot of testing. So we're testing in different environments before we actually choose to roll out a concept, an idea, and that's where again the importance of data and the ability to work across geos plays such a big part. So, like anything, you can do your testing phase, A/B testing, make sure it's gone into the final draft, and then once the model is proven, we normally put it out into the rollout mode across the teams. Fantastic! It's it's um, I think it's often it's underlooked is you know the importance of testing, finding out, failing, we're learning from that, and then and then you know you you hope your execution's going to be is going to be there, and and I suppose linked to to the topic of sort of execution you mentioned in our in our sort of pre-chat that you had a particular passion about the importance of having a defined process for scalability was the was the phrase that i i captured from you can you expand on that ricky uh absolutely uh again um as richard would very well know and we've had some conversation there seems to be a uh, level of madness that you often see in SaaS businesses in particular. It's always go fast, go hard, and go, you know, go quick. Uh, but again, when you're flying blind, all you end up doing was you're just, you're hiring for the sake of hiring. You don't seem to have any data to back you up. Whereas what we tend to do is that we do a lot of modeling beforehand. We make sure that we're gathering the data. We, we're partnering up with the likes of Durham Lane and others in the, in the, in certain markets before we press the button to go live. You know, we, we really, uh, we're really mindful of our quality of our, not just our solution, but our brand awareness and everything else that comes with it. So scalability to us is a responsibility and a corporate responsibility to our people, right? So therefore we want to make sure that every person who comes and touches this organization internally or externally is set up for success. So that's what I meant, that everything that we, we, we tend to do at Simpro, whether it be for our customers, our partners, or our people, it's all geared up for success and it's all geared for scale. And scale could mean different things for, depending on who you're speaking to, our customers, because they normally pick up Simpro as a solution and they go from $5 million turnover to a $50 million turnover business. And vice versa, within internally, we like to see a career progression pathways, but also we like to scale out our teams and we like to scale out into different countries and different geos. So it has a lot of different meanings internally. Um, 
but yeah, I just can't emphasize the importance of data. It plays into all our decision making, going and entering into new territory, going and going after a new vertical, going after what I keep coming back to uh, Richard and, you know, what we've been dealing with. We've been quite open about this is outbound. Uh, so, you know, going from inbound to outbound and hybrid and, you know, going into partnership model. All of that is based on the hentai fundamental of scaling the business and making sure that we are, you know, powering on and we're providing a better solution for existing customers, but we're reaching out to, you know, further prospects in all different industry that we touch. Yeah, it's a very strong, you know, you can pick up, Ricky, your 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 passion for that data-based decision making and how and how important it is because i think a lot of people they kind of fly by the seat of their pants don't they right or 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 are not are not using that as the danger you make you can make some spectacularly bad decisions without it or or you just continue to do what you've always done you know that that's the other risk isn't it yeah particularly in this sort of sort of environment i think a lot of times you fall into the trap of 80 20 Right, a lot of your revenue either comes from the twenty percent of the people, or you tend in, or your revenue is coming from twenty percent of your customer base. The model that we like to run by, or definitely is one of our mission and at least an aspiration, is to get to the eighty eighty model. Right, so eighty percent of the people uh, reps are constantly successful quarter over quarter, month by month, and same with our customer base. So, again, going back to what Richard was touching on earlier, you want to try and take guesswork out of the business as much as you can. Business should be about calculated risk as opposed to just stupid risk that, you know, I think you see a lot, especially in the tech sector. Because when when things are going great, I think anyone can be successful. It's just when you start to see some noise within the market, that's the true testimonial of your business and the and not only your, uh, you know, the team that you've actually built and the credibility of your solution, but it just also comes back to the enablement and all the all the data that you've actually captured that's going to see you through these tough times. It's fantastic. I've got a vision of the, the ghost of Vilfredo Pareto, whatever, to, uh, turning in his grave as Ricky <laughs> uh, attempts to totally disrupt the 80-20 principle. So you'll uh, you'll be upsetting the, uh, the uh, long-passed-away Italian economist <laughs> on that one, won't you? So... And you mentioned uh, when we were talking before the importance of maintaining a deep focus and avoiding getting distracted by what you call the next shiny object. And I think that that's a that's a fascinating kind of perspective to have. Can you can you explain how you can get that deep focus and maintain it? I try my level best. It's again one of those topics that you can talk about until the cows come home. But uh, uh, we live in this environment, as you very well know, Simon, where you are. The information overload, as I like to describe it, it's coming at you from all different directions. It's cons- it's noisy. Uh, we're living in this digital age. We're living in this social media environment. We're living in where any news is only good for, what, 60 seconds or two minutes, right? So same goes into the business when you're working in, in a place like Simpro, which is full of hope and full of opportunities and the tam and the sands of what we touch are massive. You are you can so easily be distracted by, again, going back to what I was describing as the next shiny object. It could be the next new market. It could be the next new industry. All of a sudden you can go, hey, why don't we go look here? However, the deep focus, and I'm, you know, almost start to guess again what I'm going to come back to is 
data. It all comes and lives in the data, right? Yeah. It's, it's all about this is our ideal customer profile. This is our sweet yeah. spot. Let's stick with what we are good at because no point going and experimenting constantly. Yes, we spoke about the changeability and the flexibility and adapting and doing all of those things. However, you still need to have safeguard rails. You need to be able to swim in the swimming lanes or else, you know, like you, if you were an Olympic swimmer, you're not going from lane one to lane eight, are you? You're just constantly going up and down and you're trying different strokes and you're trying different techniques. And I think same must be applied to the sales teams in particular. We are easily distracted um, just by what comes our way. And you just got to keep going back to these are the main, you know, it's almost a checklist in your head to go, this is what we do best. Let's just go back here. Um, and that's, I feel like, we do really well at Zimbra. Our teams understand the importance of the ICPs and where our solution is sticky and we get, you know, where we get the best return on investment and, you know, where we get most runs on the board. So all of those things are critical to business success. I sometimes, I sometimes use the phrase, um, shooting fireworks syndrome, Ricky, which is I've, I've worked for a number of people in the past where, you know, the fireworks shoots off and they get all excited and tell the whole team, this is, wow, wow, look at this, look at this. Next month, it's another firework, right? And that's that's the uh, you know we're probably now living in the like you say information overload. This attention deficit is is the issue probably. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like how to, how do customers find out information? Is they're 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 swamped, absolutely bombarded with it, and 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 you know it, it they they sometimes need re-educating, don't they? Think they know the answer, and and in in reality, it's just just a state of informed yeah. confusion. One hundred percent. I like to describe my role internally as a in the business as chief repeat officer. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, uh, uh, yeah. So I, th- I think that's going back to your original question: How do we make sure that we stay on top of where we need to be? It's just you constantly have to repeat yourself, and I think our leaders in the business have to do the same. Yeah. And I think after a while, it becomes. What is it? Twenty six times that you do it becomes a habit. I think it's the same kind of thing at uh, in, a, in a salesperson. I mean, Richard, you mentioned Jim Collins, and I know, and I've seen Jim Collins speak. He talks about turning the flywheel to get something in place, and I, I very fondly remember him saying, "Businesses often they turn it once." And then they go, wow, that was hard work. Let's go and do something else. <laughs> and, and it never, it never becomes, it never becomes embedded in the, in the business. What's your, your, from Durham Lane, Richard? How do you, how do you, uh, keep the, keep the, the focus for your folks? Well, I, I'm going to call Ricky from now on the chief repeat officer. I love that I love because it, yeah. that is, I mean, what a great lesson for anyone listening wanting to get to make change yeah. happen. Um, you know, I think change goes through a curve doesn't it and um what what i think can be and and i you know we are 100 percent guilty of this through our history as a business is is of that firework mentality we've had definitely occasions i can sit here and smile and think of when we've done a big announcement and then it all gets to be a bit hard work so we go off and find something else to do and uh, you go through that cycle so i think we're a lot better at that than than we than we were um and I'm a real sucker for analogy, so I'm just going to come back to Ricky's swimming analogy there. I love that because keep keep in the lane, keep in the lane, but experiment with different strokes. I think that's you know for me that's a 
a really great way of thinking about how do you remain agile, fleet of foot, but focused. And, um, you know, actually it's, it's, that sort of helps probably get you away from that firework mentality, doesn't it? Because I know I can't go out of the lane, but the lane's wide enough for me to have some flex and I can experiment with what happens inside the lane, but I need to stick in it. So yeah, repeat repeatability. So it's it's really great to be able to interview a chief repeat officer. It's excellent. I love it. <laughs> well, <laughs> my pleasure. I've seen some I've seen some funky job titles in my time, right? Particularly in startups and things that are people they're evangelist and that sort of thing. But chief repeat officer is the first for me. I've got to say, <laughs> I was saying, Richard as well. I think mentioning there the keeping in the lane also just reminds me of that famous the the story that that people tell about the rowing team and the phrase "Does it make the boat go faster?" And if it doesn't make the boat go faster, yeah. we won't we won't spend any more. Any more time. And I, I, yeah, I used to work in the drinks industry and I remember I had a boss. We were in a, one of the big brewing companies and at meetings, he'd often say, is this conversation going to help us to sell more beer or not? If not, let's finish it as quickly as we can and get onto something useful. That we, I remember him saying, does it help us sell more beer? If not, let's move on. Yeah. Well, it just comes back to, we talked earlier about vision and purpose and, and it comes, you know, I'm just sitting here reflecting on on Durham Laner's business. And, and as you get bigger and as you get more layers of people that look after the people that do the work, as it were, um, then different conversations spark up and people get obsessed about different things which aren't necessarily driving our customers forward and therefore driving us forward. So I think that's you've got to be really mindful of of that. And, and I, I think, to Ricky's point earlier, vision and purpose helps bring you back, keep you in the lane. Um, and we should be experimenting all the time with how do we improve what we do and how do we do what we do more effectively. No, it's a great, a great one. I think for all the listeners to to, to kind of reflect on as well. And and Ricky, f- f- kind of final question: um, How's your engineering background influenced your your chief repeat officer role or chief revenue officer role, whichever whichever one you prefer? Um, yeah, look, great question. I. I'll try and give you an answer which is not long-winded, but I think I touched on it earlier. It's it's the ability to tinker and break things and fix things. So what I mean by that is Lego pieces, for example, right? My kids, uh, they love Legos, and I used to love Lego as a, as a little boy. But you, once you built it, following the instructions, you can get it all nicely as it has meant to look on the, you know, in front of the box. And then after a while, you break it down and the pieces end up everywhere. But then you've got to... By that time, you've thrown out the instruction booklet. And that's where the whole engineering mindset comes in. You've got to find all those little pieces. You try and build it back up. It may not entirely look like what it looked like the first time in front of the box, but it's going to get close to right. You have to then use your use your mind. You have to use that vision. You've got to realize that what it looked like, and you've got to you know go back into your memory bank. And it's it's that kind of mindset has triggered into a lot of our business practice and what I've been able to do here at Simpro, you know, it's some of the strategies that we drive. It's like, okay, so I'm going to work first time around. We're going to roll, we're going to test it here. We're going to roll this out. You know, we talked about, we briefly touched on RevOps and the importance of data and what we've been able to do there. We talked about strategies. So very much was a business that was built on inbound. So, you know, again, going into outbound and pairing up with the likes of Durham Lane and driving that and lifting our teams and going into a very different partnership type of model. So it comes back into, so it's 
I'm giving you a very mixed answer here, but I think just able to experiment is what's kind of been, I guess, uh, been one of those big things for me. And, you know, I feel like I, it's, it's helped me and has helped our business and the teams along the way and just teaching me not to have all our eggs in one basket, you know, just making sure there is dual strategies in play. Um, again, highlighting the importance of staying within the lane, having a clear purpose, testing things before rolling it out. So all of that, I feel it's come from very early on and, and what I learned in the engineering school and, and that's kind of kind of carried on within the business. Principle. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fascinating, <clears throat> fascinating insight. And I think what I've, what I've, you know, we've we've had so much great uh, ideas and 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 commentary from you, Ricky. Thank you so much. But I think for me, that what stands out is this: yes, experimentation, but within focus, within sticking in lane. You know that that wonderful analogy that that, that you know that um, that Richard picked up on was you know experimenting with your strokes, but staying in lane, which I think definitely really really powerful. So thank you, thank you very much for sharing all of your your insight and ideas and wisdom, Ricky. It's been it's been fantastic, Richard. Any any closing thoughts or comments from you? Um, yeah, really. You know, knew it was going to be a great conversation, Ricky, and uh, not been disappointed. So thank you, and I'm I'm really hope our listeners take as much away from it as I have. Um, a couple of well, I've scribbled loads of notes, but breaking and fixing, love that idea. Um, startup mindset, no matter how big your organization gets. So get that lean start book up and keep reading. Um, vision and purpose, the sweet triangle with tools, people and process. So we need tools to support us, to support the processes that we create, but we need great people. Jim Collins analogy of the right people on the bus facing the same direction in the right seats. And then always be scaling. Um, so, uh, you know, always be scaling, keep in, keep in your lane, but try different things. So uh, and repeat. <laughs> so, <laughs> Always repeat yourself. Always be repeating. <laughs> My Lego um, memory is the crucial pieces in the vacuum cleaner. That was uh, the... Uh, <laughs> That's, it. That's it. In the bin. My Lego memory. My, my younger brother who never ceases to uh, do this, I think it's some bitter childhood trauma, is my mother and father would always say, put the Lego back in the box, right? Put the Lego back in the box, tidy up. So I just grab this plastic box and do my half by scooping it through the middle and then handing it over to my brother who had all the scattered parts. And he reminds me about it about once every year or so. So it's clearly... Yeah. (laughs) But that's older brother, older brother's prerogative, right? (laughs) <laughs> deep trauma, yeah. 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 We talked about deep focus. This is deep trauma. Yeah. Everlasting. <laughs> Lego trauma. That's what my Lego. younger brother oh. needs treating for. But no, it's been a re- real pleasure, Ricky. Thank you so much. Yeah, wonderful, Ricky. Thank you for both having me. Thank you, Simon, and thank you, Richard. And thanks very much. And uh, to all our listeners, thanks very much for listening into this episode. I'm sure you've picked up some fantastic thoughts and ideas and uh, look forward to having you on another episode in the future. So thanks very much. The Insiders by Durham Lane. Subscribe today to never miss an episode.